Books are mirrors. You only see in them what you already have inside you. Carlos Rui Zafon. Welcome to the Gentle Rebel podcast. Here we're all about playing with ways to navigate life's harsher edges with a spirit of compassionate creativity towards ourselves, towards others, towards the world. I'm Andy Mort. I'm a sound artist, a songwriter and a slow coach. And I love poking and unpeeling the potential of gentleness in everyday life. Gentleness that stands with a firm back and a soft front. Courageous and aware, patient and abundant, not forcing what needs to grow or rushing the things that require time. So each month in the Haven community, we explore uh, resources, conversations, ideas through the lens of one of our nine um, kind of annual themes. Uh, The themes are abroad, so we can move in many possible directions um, with them and in them and around them. Um, And we have what is called um, a theme cotter uh, happening session, live call, in which we hold um, kind of a central question or a topic or a few questions related to the theme and allow space um, for ideas around that to flow and to bounce and to integrate within the collective. Um, And in uh, July, our theme was inspiration. And in this episode, I want to kind of pick up on some of the ideas that uh, that, that emerged through the surface as we were chatting and pondering and, and laughing together um, through that uh, theme cotter um, happening. You know, the core idea at the centre of that particular session was, the, was this idea of letting come and how we might come to see and feel and know the difference between um, when there's a time to pause and a time to act. And kind of with regards to inspiration, the question of rhythm and relationship to the insights and to the ideas and the nudges that we might feel um, kind of pulling at us, uh, urging us to to move in particular directions in everyday life. You know, what do we do when those moments arrive? How do we hold them? Where do we take them? And so the reason that I started with that uh, Carlos Ruiz Zafon quote um, is that it speaks to something that I've been uh, thinking about a lot in my coaching approach as well recently. It came out of a conversation that I had with a friend of mine, Adam Kowalek, who presents a wonderful podcast called Inside the Comfort Zone. And we were talking about this phrase, coaching for insight, and how in coaching, essentially what we do, you know, using questions and uh, clarifying and reflecting, uh, it's kind of this mirror that can catalyze a connection in the person uh, being coached. The insight doesn't come from the outside. It's not imparted by the coach, by you as some sort of guru figure who has all the answers. Rather, it's kind of like the Rumi quote of uh, a candle in your heart waiting to be rekindled. An aha moment doesn't happen when something completely new arrives. It's when something outside of us strikes the match that catches the wick that's been waiting to be rekindled within us, which then casts a light across all manner of things uh, within us. And I think that's what inspiration is. You know, breathing 
in the world around us, which reacts with the world inside us in a way that changes how we hold, see, feel, hear, taste and move through the world or in a particular um, context. Inspire literally means to breathe, like respire, perspire. It's a cycle, it's a rhythm, it's a flow. Another foundational idea that's been really influencing my, um, I guess, expedition around this theme is the difference between expectation and expectancy. And this came up as I was reflecting on uh, my relationship with creating soundscapes, the ambient soundscapes this year. Um, And I've set an intention to make um, Fridays as much as possible a music day where I allow space to explore what wants to come out of me musically. Um, around these uh, these kind of soundscape ideas. Um, and the Fridays where I've managed to do that have had this spirit of freedom to them, this spirit of expectancy. And I noticed that the more routine it got, the more expectancy was replaced by expectation and how that kind of feels completely different. Expectation is a weight, It tells us a story in the present based wholly on the events of the past. You know, what we expect is how we judge what comes through this moment. And expectations are obviously uh, really um, helpful and important in certain contexts and in certain uh, situations. You know, we it's uh, the heart of the scientific method is um, theorizing, hypothesizing, expecting things to happen and then seeing what what does happen and then moving with that from there um but there is i think we can bring expectation into our lives and into the way that we kind of relate to ourselves and relate to the things in uh, in our relationships and stuff like that that uh, can really i don't know be a, a huge burden a huge weight and i think expectancy is different it's a, an openness to a new story Um, It's an excited buzz. It's an unknowing of what will happen and a readiness to receive it. And I suppose it's the spirit, probably, if you think about the scientific method. It's the uh, excitement that underpins the fact that, okay, what are we going to actually find out here? You know, we expect this to happen, but we bring a spirit of expectancy in that we don't know for sure that that is what's going to happen. And we hold that lightly. Um, And so this is that book, Mirror energy. I don't know what to expect, but I'm ready to receive whatever comes through this moment. Expectation can be the burden of meaning. It can be the burden of labels, of excuses, of identity. We see the world through the sound it makes in our body. Expectations are judgments that prevent us from seeing what is truly there. We hold what is emergent in comparison with what is no longer there. Expectations can lead us to miss the essence, the invitation, the opportunity, the possibility. Expectancy, on the other hand, is there with open arms, allowing what is to come. It's an open mind, readiness to receive without entitlement. It has an ooh spirit rather than a hmm spirit. It sits within the experience rather than outside it like a judgmental critic. 
something I've been reflecting on that I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to experience growing up was the joy of a world before uh, music streaming. You know, I've had some, uh, I've been kind of thinking about some really fond memories I have of uh, release days, album release days by some of my favourite um, artists growing up. Uh, when Blur released their album 13, uh, Radiohead released Kid A, uh, Elbow released Asleep in the Back. Um, my friend Sam and I would walk into town after school on the Monday when those albums were released. And we would go uh, to um, a shop called Fop, which is a favourite uh, record store in Leamington. We would buy, uh, buy the album, take it back to my house, sit on my bed and, and listen through several times. Um, and it was an amazing experience. It was one of those just, you know, the, the, the excitement, the anticipation the knowing, like I remember those days just feeling like, oh, this this thing is now out there in the world and, and I'm going to get to listen to it in a few hours time. Um, Blur 13 and Radiohead Kid A were particular departures from uh, what had been before. Um, and so, yeah, both bands had, had taken a bit of a uh, a detour away from what you might expect from the previous, um, from their previous directions that they that their music um went in i love music as a way to to think about this difference between expectancy and expectation you know there were a lot of confused and angry fans because what they'd come to expect from those previous records had been uh, completely subverted by this new direction um fast forward a whole load of years and the release of twin peaks the return much the same um the expectation held by some fans of the original series of Twin Peaks coloured the experience of watching this new one 25 years on. It kind of made it, uh, yeah, not a good experience for them. Um, but with all these things, personally, I had no expectations, but was full of expectancy. And when you have a spirit of expectancy, I think you're alive to the present moment. You're alive to receive whatever it is that is waiting to be received, to hearing, to seeing, to feeling something that you've not experienced before. When it comes to encountering creative work, expectancy connects with the spirit of its creator rather than shackling that person, that band, that director, that collective uh, with binds from the past. It connects with the spirit that underpinned those previous offerings and longs for the wings that gave flight to that stuff to flap again and discover new worlds that you might be able to see through their eyes. And often when we hold expectations, when we are demanding something to be the same, we say, ah, oh, this, yeah, it's fine, but it's, it's not Radiohead. It's not Twin Peaks. It's not whatever it is. Um, what we're actually doing is saying, I need it to be the same. But then if it was exactly the same, we'd be saying, oh, it's just the same. There's nothing different. And so it's this massive contradiction at the heart of this, uh, this spirit of expectation that often sucks the life out of life. It makes us both cynical and entitled. It causes us to regress into a dead zone of cultural safety where we watch repeats, remakes, and demand spin-offs. It pours water on our imagination and 
puts a wall up so no oxygen can reach the wick of the candle that is waiting to be rekindled within us. In our Haven theme cotter, we talked about where we feel insights and whether we experience a yes and a no, you know, that intuitive yes, the intuitive no in different places around the body. And talk about, you know, gut feelings, don't we, and heartbreak, a sinking feeling in the pit of your stomach, or butterflies, nervous jelly legs. And it's really interesting to reflect on. Uh, what you know about what you know through the perspective of the body, what the body is telling us about a particular piece of sensory or environmental um, information. Because if you're like me, you'll notice uh, a conflict at work sometimes here, where the body says yes, but the mind says no, and vice versa. The body says no, but the mind says yes. And so learning to listen to the wisdom held in our physical being and to befriend and understand the thoughts that lead to decisions is an integral part of allowing mind and body to kind of operate in partnership or operate as a kind of one. For highly sensitive people, those with sensory processing sensitivity, there's a, a pause before action. You know, we naturally stop while information flows in from the environment around us uh, and our, our nervous system processes um, and decides, you know, whether it's safe to proceed or not. And then we make a decision based on the information gathered and processed at that sort of deep level, uh, much of which, which happens beneath the surface. Uh, and we make that decision, okay, how am I going to proceed here? What am I going to do? Uh, am I going to go into this? Uh, where am I going to position myself with relation to it? Am I going to walk away from Like whatever it is uh, that that decision um, then um, becomes. And it's that beneath the surface part that can lead us to draw conclusions that prevent us from acting on the things uh, we might want, especially when we underthink or overthink the feeling that we're experiencing. We might underthink if we interpret an uncomfortable feeling in our body as something to get rid of no matter what it is and we might overthink it if we recognize the feeling as a sign that something is important to us but we then sort of jump into catastrophizing what might happen if we if we go with it like what's this going to lead to and then we overwhelm ourselves with with that sort of possibility of change and I wonder if any examples of either of these two uh, things come to mind for you. Um, you know, for me, there are, I think, performance-related examples, you know, through my uh, life in, in music. The uncomfortable feeling ahead of gigs, butterflies that sort of shift between um, nervous excitement and nervous dread, the jittery, urgent flurries of, like, nervous energy. Underthinking happens when I fail to step out of that immediate experience and into the bigger picture and say, you know, this is temporary. I am safe here. I'm doing something that matters to me. The reason that I'm feeling this is because something really exciting and cool is happening this evening or whatever. This is part of the path to being where I feel at home. 
to being creatively energized, to being content, to being alive, to feeling connected with my creative spirit. This will neither break or make you. It's just a chance to play, to connect, to do something that you love doing, something that is fundamental to your being. Overthinking might look like, yeah, but if I say yes to this gig, I'm not going to be able to cope. There's, I don't know, like where where am I supposed to park? Uh, I've never been to this venue before. What if I lose my voice? Uh, and things like that. And it allows all the thoughts to overwhelm the feeling and to shrink the opportunity or the invitation into something that just feels like this heavy, scary ball of pressurized expectation rather than a light and bouncy ball of kind of helium expectant possibility. Um, and that's, you know, they're one of the, the things I, I can sort of recognize is, that is the difference between those feelings where something just feels tight and constricted and pressurized and, and heavy and dense rather than this kind of like light and airy, bouncy possibility. So what's it like for you? Is there a difference between toward and away from insight feelings in your physical body when something is an invitation towards a desirable place? That light and airy possibility. Where do you feel that? Do you feel it in your shoulders, in your stomach, your face, your lungs, your legs? I think I get that in my belly like that. I don't know. How would you describe it? I think it's like fluttery, twirling, pulsing. These are words that come to mind for me. How about the opposite? When a, an away from insight arrives, a message that the, the body says, no thank you, too. Might be the same place as when someone who conjures a guarded sense of energy enters your vicinity. When you're like, oh, who's this? I, I'm not feeling, I'm, I'm kind of feeling a bit guarded here. Where do you feel that feeling? Might be the same place as that positive kind of fluttery feeling. But maybe how you feel it is what is different. Maybe you describe it as tension or tightening, that constricting, trapped, throbbing, shrinking, hunched. Notice the differences. Open up that line of communication with the body and at times when you're feeling calm and regulated, consider what you might want to do when you experience those sensations in future. How to open up to the possibilities to say yes when you feel yes and how to say no when you feel no. And this doesn't just happen in single moments. It can become part of the ongoing underlying energy that fuels us in everyday life. I was really struck by this at an event that I was part of uh, a while back where I was talking about um, being a slow coach and slowing down and connecting with ourselves and the world around us with a spirit of uh, playful creativity as a way to sort of gently rebel against the, the urgent panic energy of the world around us. And we were talking about how conversations um, around the kind of the uh, 
best tools and technology, especially in kind of productivity and that kind of thing. Um, these conversations can be a distraction that help keep us in a scarcity mindset and stuck in a spiral, believing that, uh, you know, the the solution to this feeling that we might have uh, is, and the, the, the sense that like things aren't very good. The solution is is the right tool. We just haven't found the perfect tool yet. Um, and this is kind of driven by like fundamentally the idea that there is a solution. So we just have to frantically keep looking for it. And we were speaking about uh, what I use to stay organized, like the, the kind of some of the tools that I use. Um, and I spoke about one in particular that uh, like, yeah, I kind of use for everything um, that I, I do. And it's I emphasized <laughs> during this event that, you know, it's not perfect. It doesn't do all the things that I use it for in the way that like other standalone tools would do better. But it's good enough for what I need. And I've found ways uh, to uh, and kind of workarounds to make it work for me over the years. I've used it for well over 10 years now. And um, Evernote, by the way, just in case, I'm not kind of keeping it secret. Um, but within, <laughs> within a few seconds of me talking about it in this event, someone popped up in the chat and said, what was that tool he just mentioned? Um, and even though we were on Zoom, I was almost overwhelmed by this this energy that I felt in that event, this energy of panic that I could sense in in many uh, of the, or it's kind of the surging, uh, I think it was the surging collective, really, um, in the participants, acting um, and engaging from a state of, uh, of fear and urgency and expectation that I'm going to get the answers that I'm looking for here. I'm gonna, the, the solution is here. I just need to I need to grab at it. I need to like not miss anything. Um, if I miss anything that's said, uh, then that's going to be the thing that will have, you know, changed my life. Um, but I've overlooked it. Um, and it was kind of, it just felt completely separated from a state of connection and safety. And we don't make good decisions when we're operating from a state of fear and urgency. We act from compulsion an impulse driven by the desire to eradicate a feeling caused by a problem rather than addressing the deeper issue that usually requires more time, more patience, more awareness and ultimately letting go rather than clinging on. It might feel like insight when someone talks about the tool that they use, but it's not. It's magical thinking and it's novelty. It's appealing because it's the thing we don't know yet. It sounds like it probably is going to solve all our problems because we haven't encountered its contradictions and its flaws. It might even feel like the same kind of thing as a positive insight in our body. We might experience that excited sensation inside us. But that's accompanied often by the demand to act now. And there's a difference between act now because otherwise you'll have a second thought and think better of it and here's a potential option. Sleep on it. And if it still feels good tomorrow or this time next week, then you can be pretty confident in that feeling that you're experiencing. This might be a good thing to explore. And I guess in some ways, uh, when you sort of flip the roles, it goes against every piece of advice in the modern marketing handbook, um, you know, to, to not get people to, to act with urgency. 
And I think if we look around us, we see that all the time. We see uh, people trying to sell us things and trying to get us to act as quickly as possible because they know that once those second thoughts kick in, we'll be like, do you know what? Actually, it's that isn't going to solve the problems that it's um, it's telling me it's going to solve. Um, but I think our relationship with Marxy, the way things are presented and sold to us, gives us a really good um I had a good fertile ground to explore and experiment and raise awareness around this stuff. Um, it, it's it's something to embrace in a, in a way, you know, to notice the feelings that we get when someone shows us something that we then are like, oh yeah, I'm, I feel a real desire for that. I feel like I want that. You know, what energy underpins that feeling, and what energy underpins the decision that we might make to 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 grab that thing, to to buy that thing. What story are we telling ourselves? Are we able to put space between that feeling and the act of deciding whether or not to say yes? If we're not able to put that space in there, why not? Is it because of something in us? Is it because we're being pushed to make a decision by somebody else? And if we are able to put space between that feeling and the action of deciding, how long do we need so that we can be confident in the integrity and the necessity of the decision that we make. In our conversation, we talked about inspiration and creativity, following an insight and knowing what to do with it, how much to push it and when to pause and let it breathe. This doesn't just apply to creative work. It's really at the heart of the spirit of possibility when new potentials open up to us and something goes from a vague hypothetical concept to something that actually feels kind of tangible and within reach. There's a a readiness. We're poised to receive. We're open to let come. When is the time to pause and when is the time to push? We talked about the space between the insight and the action. When an idea lands and connects, a new possibility occurs and it integrates. Not just as this sort of vague, yeah, that'd be nice one day, but as a potential path that we can actually imagine walking down soon. For example, it might be the idea of changing jobs. You know, it's something that it may have been in the back of your mind as a, as a dream for ages, like, oh, yeah, I really i'd love to do something different at some point kind of disembodied wish in some ways i'll be lovely not to work here anymore be really nice to do something i actually enjoy you know it's something you think something you maybe talk about but the idea of acting on it is unthinkable you know it's too much to consider it's like an overwhelming yeah yeah one it's a it's a one day thing uh push it down to a to another time until that moment of insight where there's the, the nudge, the inspiration, the, the you know, it, it might be somebody else that you know has got a new job and you're like, oh, suddenly that possibility has come to life. Perhaps you see something advertised and, and someone says, oh, that, you know, that would be, you'd be perfect for that. Have you seen that? Um, or it might be that something pushes you over the edge at work and you kind of, yeah, you hit that limit and you think, I can't do this anymore. And this is the moment when that disembodied, 
vague dream thought takes form. It becomes embodied and it becomes more real. Happens with all kinds of things. Uh, maybe something comes to mind for you as, you, as you're thinking about this. Uh, it might be like moving house, starting a hobby, um, going on an excursion to a long dreamed of travel destination, starting some kind of exercise uh, regime or whatever it is. Um, suddenly that thing just becomes real. So then what happens next? Sometimes that insight is enough for now. It feels like a huge weight is lifted and this becomes a moment to pause without force. To allow this possibility to settle in you and to reset the mind and body in a position of openness to start, I guess, noticing what you will now inevitably notice as you're alive to the flow of this, this idea, this possibility, this probability, this potential. It's not a time to to push and to get all the details in place, to make a decision about exactly what this is going to be, what it's going to look like. Actually, it's just a time to let come, to gather, to observe, to allow this new seed to be planted, to germinate, to take root, trusting that the next phase will come clear in time. You know, that seed is planted in the dark. You just water it for now and know, yeah, actually I can, I can trust that this change is going to happen. This happens in creativity too. An idea can land and it might be clear that its exact details and con content is not yet here. It might require a little bit of prodding and probing to see, you know, is there anything here yet? Like maybe experiment a bit. Um, and then it's yeah, actually, this is just a time to step back and allow this to, to find its roots, uh, to explore what it could become and to be open to those external uh, insights that might um, that might kind of connect with it as you're out and about actually that it's just looking for this little piece that might land in an overheard conversation as you're out and about or a something that you see somewhere um, who knows whatever it might be it's but you're then you're turned towards the possibility of seeing inspiration of 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 receiving uh, those insights that are going to connect to that thing um, that's ready to be um, ready to be sparked uh, that that candle I guess that's that's ready to be lit and so this germination phase has become so important to me you know recognizing uh, when I've done enough to let it rest and trusting in that season of rest as an integral part of the growth of the inspiration learning to know when a particular phase is finished and rather than forcing it through to completion to say, yeah, do you know what? That's enough for now. I've done that often with music ideas and podcast ideas, inklings to explore in writing. There's something powerful about coming back to it from a different time, a different energy, a different headspace, to view it through a different context. How do you know when it's time to pause and let it come rather than push. For me, again, I feel the temptation to push on beyond the necessary moment as a, a tightening. It kind of goes over a tipping point into an urgency, a sense of subservience to some demands that wants results. The same tightening energy as perfectionism keeps demanding a return to tinker, get right, give everything all the time. 
And that can feel suffocating and shrinking. It's that expectation, that demand, that pressure. Whereas the acknowledgement that it's time to let go is more open and expansive and curious. It's that expectancy which is equally happy to close the book and put it back in the drawer. It doesn't need it all right now. It's kind of abundant. It's timeless. It's able to hold the joy of the space in between without trying to eliminate, force or fill it. And what about the time to push? When do you take action? How do you know when it's time for that? When it's ready? For me, I tend to just get a kind of mobilised energy where I feel nudged and ready to open the proverbial book again and get to work. It might require a bit of a, a surge to get started, but then once that book opens, it flows. I feel it flowing. It's not always that easy or straightforward, especially to get going. Maybe you're waiting for something to fall into place like funding or a decision from someone else or a break in the weather or a proverbial version of of one of those things. But there's a feeling in you that knows once it's there, like once that thing falls into place, you're more than ready to turn your attention to it and get going. This happens in projects for me all the time. They might spend... Uh, a swathe of time just dormant without any obvious signs of life. But it's like they've gone into hibernation for the winter and they're ready to burst into life again during the new spring. And once they do, they grow, they blossom, they fruit, and they become what it is that they are becoming during that next moment. That might be the push through to completion, or it might simply be that next seasonal surging push. It's not always clear where something reaches completion, but it's often obvious when it's not there yet. This is different from that constricting fear-ridden energy of perfectionism when you kind of know something is ready, but you can't let go. Instead, you know something is still growing and it's not yet time to let go. It requires oscillation between pause and push, Letting come, letting go, letting flow. Inspiration is about breath. Breathing in, breathing out and allowing the cycle to flow into, through and beyond us. Our job is to keep it flowing without forcing, without stalling. Remembering that when you hold your breath, you lose it. So I wonder if anything in this episode has been like a match rekindling your candle, a moment of connection that's felt like an insight. One of the reasons I love our Haven theme Cotter conversation so much is because those moments seem to flow through them all the time. They're an opportunity to embody that sense of expectancy without expectation. Even as I plan the sessions, I know that they're going to take a life of their own. We're going to move in directions that I cannot predict. Um, No matter how hard I try, (laughs) there's always something will 
you know, just spark somebody's um, kind of imagination and then we'll move in a direction. It's like, okay, yeah, this is, of course. <laughs> and it always feels like, oh, of course, yeah, this is the thing. And there are many factors at work and they come together to create unique experiences on these safe and predictable tracks. And it's like I talked about in the episode about the disappearance of rituals, uh, ritual and repetition. I think, um, you know, expectation is really the equivalent of walking a path because you want to see a sunset and then being upset if it's cloudy. Being there thinking, yeah, I expect, yeah, I came here last time and there was a sunset. I expect to see that sunset again. And then the cloud comes. It's like, well, that's a ruined evening. Whereas expectancy is walking the path because of the path and getting to see whatever it is that's, a, that's going to be there along the way. It's like, oh, I wonder what is going to happen this time. Last time there was this amazing sunset. Being open to notice beauty in those clouds rather than anger that they're concealing the sunset. I would love you to, to join us on the, uh, on the Cotter path for future conversations in the haven um if this sounds like the kind of thing that actually yeah this would be a, a lovely thing to to be part of uh, there's never any pressure to to get actively involved in the conversation you just come and um come and listen in and and see what's what you are welcome to be with us as you are wherever you are however you are so you can learn more at the hyphen haven.co um yeah and come and join us place to really to connect, to listen, to learn from the inside out uh, with like-minded, like-spirited, gentle rebels, travellers all over the world. Um, There's a link in the show notes as well if you want the direct link. Um, And so I'm going to finish this episode with a short sound anchor that is um, based on this idea of letting come. Um, And this, so this is like a shortened version of something that we do in the Haven Harbour uh, where we have these kind of live sound anchor sessions. We kind of join for about 25 to 30 minutes uh, to swim in sound and to rest and just to allow uh, some sort of grounding and centering and, and nervous system regulation to, to occur. Um, and yeah, so I'd love to invite you to, to come and join us for one of those um, at some point too, as I say, uh, just go to the Haven Uh, website and you can learn more about all of those things there Uh, and also I'd love to hear if anything in this episode has has resonated with you you can drop me a message or leave a comment um, on the uh, show notes or on social media all right Uh, well this has been lovely thank you for joining me Uh, take care and I'll speak to you again very soon bye-bye Books are mirrors. You only see in them what you already have inside you. The candle in your heart is waiting to be rekindled. What are you ready to hear? Allow expectancy, openness, 
creative spirit. Palms turned up, hands spread. Where are you clinging, grasping, holding? Gently unfurl your fingers and release what's inside. Let your heart open and allow the oxygen of inspiration to breathe a gentle breath into it. Allow the part of you that wants to awaken and flow today to rise from deep within and settle in your being. Invite it to see through your eyes. It longs to be created by you and to be part of the process of creating you. It wants to notice something beautiful, to show you something you've looked past looked beyond, looked through, an object, a person, a possibility. Slow down and let it occur, let it speak. Don't force, don't hoard, just let it come. Allow life to breathe into you and let it flow where it wants to flow and then Let it go. There is enough. You are enough. The candle in your heart is ready to be rekindled. What will it show you? Where can you feel a yes being gently whispered by your body? What does it need? What would it love? Where will you take it today? Let go what is no longer required. Let come the inspired moment. And let flow 
the cycle of breath. Let go what you no longer need. Let come a new way of seeing. And let flow the cycle of breath. Let in, let out. Let in, let out. Books are mirrors. You only see in them what you already have inside you. What story is the rekindled candle about to illuminate in your life? 